Do you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device? You can now listen to my podcast on that device. Just go to Alexa Skills, search for K-12 Education Untangled, click Enable to enable that skill, and voila! You're now able to listen to my podcast via your Alexa-enabled device. Welcome to another episode of K-12 Education Untangled. My name is Dr. Kim Fields, former corporate manager turned educational researcher and advocate, and I'm the host of this podcast. I got into this space after dealing with some frustrating interactions with school educators and administrators, as well as experiencing the micro discriminations that I faced as an African-American mom raising my two kids who were in the public school system. I really wanted to understand how teachers were trained and what the research provided about the challenges of the public education system. Once I gained the information and the insights that I needed, I was then equipped to be able to successfully support my children in their educational progress. If you're looking to find out more about current information and issues in education that could affect you or your children, then you're in the right place. Thanks for tuning in today. I know that staying informed about K-12 education trends and topics is important to you, so keep listening. Welcome, welcome, welcome to season two of the K-12 Education Untangled Trends, Issues, and Parental Actions for Public Schools podcast. I appreciate you for taking the time to listen to this content. On today's episode, I'll be discussing school districts and education systems and how best to navigate within them. Imagine a pyramid representing an educational system such as a school district. The bottom layer of the pyramid consists of teachers. The next layer consists of assistant principals and the layer above that consists of principals. The layer above principals consists of superintendents and at the very top of the pyramid are school boards. The order of the pyramid going from the bottom to the top represents the process to follow when navigating within educational systems in order to resolve issues. I examined the research in these key areas of an education system in order to discover the nuances within each layer, and I highlight those findings on this episode. Let's get started. If we think of a school as a system, then the structures that support that system, teachers, assistant principals, principals, superintendents, and school boards, should attempt to answer the question, what objectives are to be accomplished, by which procedures, and with what available resources. These key elements of a system, any system, need to be identified and linked together in order to create a unified whole, which will then contribute to organizational as well as personal goals. 
It's the task of educational administrators to arrange the conditions and methods of operation so that their people can best achieve their own goals as well as the defined goals of the organization. Let's start out with school boards. About 53% of district leaders don't have employment contracts that actually define the process or the measures by which they will be evaluated. This presents a problem for superintendents and the districts they oversee. Obviously, they should have an evaluation process that is set up with clear goals and expectations that tie into the district's long-range plan. These goals include improving students' academic outcomes, fostering positive relationships, and maintaining safe facilities. These goals should also be reasonable, specific, and measurable. Many times, school board members' political agendas and micromanagement very often get in the way of fairly and accurately evaluating superintendent's performance and effectively steering a district. One of these issues about evaluating superintendents who face a job that is as much political as it is operational is that even if the school board develops a perfect evaluation process, it's not binding. Basically, a superintendent can get a perfect score and the school board can still decide to fire them or not renew their contract. Additionally, school board members can also rate the superintendent poorly, even if they have met all the outlined objectives of their evaluation. The school board and the superintendents need to agree on common priorities for the district and work together to accomplish those priorities. One of the reasons why school boards fail is because they focus on adult inputs rather than on whether students' knowledge and competence is actually improving. Many school board members, especially those that have been in that position for less than a year, mean well but aren't clear about how to translate their intentions into impact. The function of the school board is to create the conditions for improved student outcomes by representing the visions and values of the community. School boards are most effective when they adopt a mindset focused on improving student outcomes by changing adult behaviors. When they clarify the priorities by adopting goals about student outcomes and describing what students should know and be able to do. When 50% of board meetings each month focusing on monitoring the goals that have been set to determine whether students are actually making progress. When the board aggressively aligns the district's resources to the established goals and when the board effectively communicates the results regarding the goals to the community at a regular predefined interval. Now let's move to the next layer down in that pyramid that I described earlier and focus on superintendents for a little bit. School superintendents set priorities for the nation's schools and execute major reforms. They set the vision and make decisions about resources that affect the classroom. Based upon research conducted by the University of Tennessee Knoxville's Department of Education Leadership and Policy Studies, there are three new things to know about superintendents. One, 
The superintendent gender gap has narrowed some, but not much. In 2019-2020, men accounted for 74% of all superintendents compared with 72% in 2022-2023. In other words, there were 2.9 men in superintendent positions for every one woman, a figure that dropped to 2.6 men in 2022-2023. Some states are closer to closing the gender gap than others. For example, Vermont has a nearly one-to-one ratio of men to women in superintendent positions, while Utah has more than eight men for every woman superintendent. This male dominance of superintendency is even more striking given how female-dominated the profession is. More than 75% of teachers are female, as well as 56% of principals. Number two, districts are more likely to replace outgoing superintendents with a leader of the same gender. And number three, women tend to lead higher needs districts. Town and suburban districts had significantly higher turnover rate of superintendents in urban districts. Districts with larger populations of students of color were also more likely to see a change in superintendent during the years in which this study was conducted. Women were more likely to lead districts with larger populations of students of color, English learners, and students in special education. Many school districts contain a central office, basically the brain trust of the school district, yet it's a bit of a black hole. Data show wide variations in how central offices are organized and that the size of the central office is not necessarily connected to a district's enrollment. The majority of central office employees work on things like procurement, budget, and operations. Only about a quarter of the employees work on school or student supports. In smaller districts, the superintendent actually tends to oversee a number of traditional operational duties, such as managing transportation and food programs. But in larger districts, the central office often adds operations managers, such as chief operations officer, to take over those responsibilities. There is little connection to the size of the district and the central office's share of the district's total employees. A surprising finding was that the smallest districts have the highest relative share of central office employees. Most districts don't agree on what positions and functions are considered, quote unquote, central office. Each central office seems to have their own style of organization. The majority of central office staff focus on operations and management, activities such as bus routes and finances, basically the kinds of activities that keep things humming along. There tends to be not much focus on teaching by the employees in the central office. Some K-12 central office managers directly oversee 50 or more staff members. This does not allow them to provide effective individualized feedback, evaluation, and support to their team members. Even so, Districts should worry less about how many people work in central offices and more about what the people in the central office are actually doing and how they're spending their time. This might ensure that their work aligns with the district's priorities. 
Moving on to principles. The focus of school principles in the United States is on instructional leadership. Principals are under constant pressure for continuous improvement of student academic outcomes and academic achievement. Principals also are responsible for ensuring student safety at school. Their intent is to create a positive environment with adequate funding, diversity, creativity, and modern technology to support teaching and learning. School principals' overall roles and responsibilities are delineated in the Educational Leadership Constituent Council Standards, and those comprise one, school vision of learning, two, school culture, instructional program, and professional development, three, resource operation and safe learning environment, four, collaboration with parents and school communities, five, professional ethics, and six, political, social, economic, legal, and cultural context. From there, let's discuss briefly the assistant principal role. Assistant principals often observe in classrooms, build relationships with students and staff, and find opportunities to deepen instructional expertise. They also ensure that the principal is aware of their career goals. They are usually also student advocates because many of them spent years as classroom teachers. As leaders in schools, they are also advocates for teachers as well. Some will even conduct teacher evaluations. Now, given that we've had the discussion about the layers of the pyramid that constitute an educational system such as a school district, here are the action steps that you can take. Navigating within a school system can be a complex task for parents, but there are some tips to help you navigate within a school system, especially when you have a question or an issue within the school district. Here are some common points of contact. One, start with the teacher. If the question or issue relates to a specific classroom, or concerns your child's academic progress, it's often best to start by reaching out to the teacher. Teachers can provide valuable insights, address concerns, and provide guidance on how to support your child's learning. They're typically accessible through email, phone calls, or scheduled meetings. If the issue is not resolved, then move on to the school principal or assistant principal. If the issue our concern is more general or extends beyond the individual classroom, contacting the school principal or assistant principal is a good option. They can provide information on school policies, address administrative matters, and offer guidance on how to navigate the system effectively. The school counselor is also a valuable resource for you and your children. They can provide guidance on academic, social, and emotional issues. If you have concerns about your child's overall well-being, behavior, or mental health, reaching out to the school counselor is a good starting point. There's also the Parent-Teacher Association, or the PTA. Many schools have an active PTA or similar parent organization. Joining the PTA can provide opportunities to connect with other parents, voice your concerns collectively, and collaborate on initiatives that enhance the school experience for all students. 
The PTA can often guide you to the right channels or individuals within the school system to address your question or issue. Next, you can reach out to the school central administration office. If your question or issue remains unresolved after contacting the teacher or the school principal, as well as the counselor or a member of the PTA, then you may consider reaching out to the school central administration office. They can direct you to the appropriate department or personnel to address your concerns. This is especially useful for matters related to policies, procedures, enrollment, and other administrative aspects. And then finally, there's the district level administration. In some cases, if the issue remains unresolved or if it involves broader district-wide policies or concerns, reaching out to the district level administration is the next step. This may involve contacting the superintendent's office or the appropriate department overseeing the area of concern. But it's important to note that the specific points of contact may vary depending on the school system and its structure. It's also a good idea to consult the school's website parent handbook, or contact the main office to find the appropriate contact information for your specific question or issue. Remember to maintain open and respectful communication throughout the process as collaborative efforts are often the most effective way to address concerns and find solutions within the school system. In general, involving the district superintendent should be considered if and or when the issue or questions remain unresolved after going through the appropriate channels at the school level, or when the concern is of significant importance or affects multiple schools within the district. Here are some situations where involving the school district superintendent may be appropriate. One, exhausted local avenues. If you have diligently followed the appropriate steps by contacting teachers, principals, and other staff, but your concern has not been adequately addressed or resolved, you may consider reaching out to the district superintendent. This could be the case when the issue is persistent, has not been properly addressed, or requires higher level intervention. Two, district-wide policies are concerns. If your question or issue pertains to district-wide policies, procedures, curriculum, or other matters that are beyond the control of individual schools or principals involving the district superintendent may be necessary. The superintendent has oversight of the entire district and can provide insights, guidance, or initiate changes at a broader level. Three, systemic or serious issues. If your concern involves systemic issues such as bullying, safety concerns, discrimination, or other serious matters affecting multiple schools or students within the district, again, it may be appropriate to escalate this issue to the district superintendent. They can coordinate efforts to address the problem comprehensively and implement necessary changes to ensure the well-being of all students. And four, appeals or formal complaints. If you have exhausted all local avenues for resolving a specific issue that matters to you, such as a disciplinary action, grading dispute, 
or special education services, and you still feel that your concerns have not been adequately addressed, involving the district superintendent may be a logical next step. They can help facilitate the appeals process or review the situation to ensure fair treatment and appropriate actions. Remember, when involving the district superintendent, make sure that you gather relevant documentation, clearly articulate the issue, and maintain a respectful and professional tone. Typically, you can reach out to the superintendent's office directly via email, phone, or written correspondence. The district's website or school administration office should provide the contact information for the superintendent or their office. Another thing to remember is that involving the district superintendent should be considered a final step when all other appropriate avenues within the school system have been exhausted and the situation warrants their involvement. Here are this episode's takeaways. If we think of the school as a system, then the structures that support that system, the teachers, assistant principals, principals, superintendents, and school boards should attempt to answer the question, what objectives are to be accomplished, by which procedures, and with what available resources? It is the task of educational administrators to arrange the conditions and methods of operation so that their people can best achieve their own goals as well as the defined goals of the organization. The structure of an educational system has many layers and each layers within the pyramid that I described early in the podcast has specific roles and responsibilities. Understanding who to go to to seek answers or questions with issues and concerns is important when navigating the school district. If this is the type of subject matter and discussion that resonates with you, please follow me on whatever service you're listening to this. Also, I'd love to hear from you. So please leave me a rating, a review, or a comment on Apple, Stitcher, or Podchaser. You can also rate my podcast at ratethispodcast.com. If you like this podcast, please consider supporting me and helping me grow it by leaving a review. This helps my rankings and entices other people to listen to the show. And share this episode with anyone that you think would find it valuable. Be sure to tell your friends, family, and community about my podcast. Additionally, connect with me on Instagram and Facebook with the handle Kim J. Fields. Thanks for listening today. I hope you'll come back for more K-12 educational discussions with even more exciting topics to untangle. Be sure to stay tuned. On the next episode, I'll be discussing attention training for reducing mind wandering and digital multitasking. Until next time, Aim to learn something new every day.